Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the British English Podcast. Or should I say, Hallo und willkommen zu Podcast Episode dieser Woche. Diese Woche? Yeah. Diese, diese Woche. For sure. Yeah. I'm excited. Hi, Charlie. Hello, Shana. Yeah, so um, I attempted a, a bit of German then, or Einbischen Deutsch, because um, Shana and I are going to be uh, speaking about our experiences living in Germany. Uh, because, yes, we, we spent a couple of years um, there, once upon a time. And so I wanted to dig into any culture shock either of us experienced, the things we loved about the place and the people, and if there are any, the things we were perhaps happy to see the back of when we left. So yes, willkommen, Shana. Uh, wie geht's? Ganz gut, und dir? <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, are you, are you doing well today? I am doing really well. I'm really excited. It's Halloween here in California. I guess where you're at right now, it's no longer Halloween, is it? Yeah, we put down the, the costumes for another year. And, and the turnips, as you just uh, reminded me about yes. the tradition in England back in the day. Can you tell the listeners about that? Yeah. So I did a bit of research on the history of Halloween and it originated in the UK. But instead of carving pumpkins, they used to carve turnips. And so turn a turnip, I suppose, is a root vegetable. Would you say that? I would say that. Yes. Yeah. And so they're a little bit smaller little white, little purple. And we just looked at some images and it's definitely worth Googling if you guys are by a computer. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Google carve a turnip and you will be shocked at the uh, creativity that people put into turnips. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. We, we carved pumpkins when I was a child. Um, but yeah, Shana has children. So uh, yeah, you're going out trick or treating tonight. Yes. Almost definitely. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's fun having kids and reliving the sort of experiences that I had when I was a kid and looked forward to the whole year. So living it up. Yeah, gonna gonna do this right after right after the call. <laughs> Fantastic. Linking it to Germany. Now, I know that you didn't live in Germany with your children, but uh, if you did, would you immediately think of any positives of living in Germany with children as opposed to living in where you live currently in California? I'd like to let you know that we now have an official app released for the British English podcast. You can now listen to this podcast on the new app and get all of the learning resources along with it. And for those of you who are just listening on your favourite podcast app, then I've got a present for you. Download the app, sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets, and you will find every single episode available for you to listen to along with the free worksheet for that episode. A huge resource right there waiting for you to enjoy. So go download it right now at your app store, either by typing in BEP, BEP, or the British English Podcast. Links are also in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. Well, you know what? Speaking of children, uh, my best friend is German. She is from Berlin. And yesterday she gave birth. Ooh. So the 30th of October. And she is going to spend, uh, I think, a full year on maternity leave or I think 
yeah, a period of time split between her husband and her, but it's a very long period of time. And so I think that is one of the things I think of about having children in Germany. You have this sort of support from the government to, you know, take that time off of work and enjoy your child. And, you know, once they do end up going to school, they actually, you know, have that also supported <laughs> most times. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I have another friend living in a different area of Germany outside of Berlin and it is paid for. But yeah, there's that that aspect that would be wonderful to have kids there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Stacy and I were thinking, what would be the best way to get the most out of uh, maternity leave mm-hmm. if you were to like uh, go between countries? Because I feel like, well, Germany does have very good healthcare, but I feel like America has exceptional healthcare, but you don't want to pay for it. So maybe you could like somehow go through the UK NHS and then get the American doctors. And then you could go to Germany and have one to two years maternity leave, which I think is one of the longest in the world. Yeah, I recently looked it up and there, I can't remember if it was Bulgaria or yeah, it was Bulgaria, 58 Point six weeks of maternity leave. 49.5 of those are with full pay. So that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty insane. But I, I feel like Germany, you could have one year full pay or two years split with the full one year pay, if that makes sense. Yeah, I have no idea. It's not something that I've experienced before. All I know is that my friend has plenty of time to have conversations with me while she's on maternity <laughs> leave. <laughs> um, and I'm, I always feel a little bit jealous because in the United States, uh, we have no maternity leave. So, I mean, we have maternity leave, but no paid maternity leave. So do you not do you not have two weeks? Um, no. So, you know, we are actually one of only eight nations without paid parental leave in the world and the only industrialized nation without it. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. And it's just something that, you know, I I didn't really even think of very much because I'm self-employed. And so it's just like, okay, I'm going to be at home anyway. I work from home. But um, it's something that I hear very often in conversation, just women complaining about the fact that they have to take their time off work. And if they don't come back, you know, if they if they want to stay and watch their child for a bit longer, a lot of times their bosses aren't understanding. It's a complicated situation here. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and also... Uh, not just having a child, like literally taking holidays is a lot harder from what I remember. Uh, again, going back to the days that we were there, Stacy would, I think she started there as a graduate and she was given, I, I want to say 10 days, only 10 days for the whole year. Yeah. Is that, does that sound about right? Yeah. We, in America? we normally have two weeks of paid vacation and then uh, five sick days. So you get to add those five days to your to your paid vacation if you want to. But uh, yeah, that's it's not very much. Um, what is it like in in England? I think it's it, it's just a little bit less generous than Germany or most European countries. Uh-huh. I, I actually haven't been back for 10 years working in the mm-hmm. in the country. So I don't know. But I think it's about 18 to 22 days. Mm-hmm. That's great for planning vacations. I'm, I'm sure you guys have a lot of um, three week trips then to 
different fun beach spots in the in southern Spain, I think you mentioned before. Isn't that where your go-to is? <laughs> it is the go-to place. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So taking holidays um, was quite a, a pleasure in Germany because of the amount of days that you would get. And um, I remember in May, I feel like it was May, that they would have like four or five bank holidays. Did you <laughs> Did you remember this? No. You know what? For me, every day was pretty much a holiday there. Like I felt like <laughs> when I was in university, it's not like the United States where people are taking count of you being in the classroom and stuff. I felt like it was more relaxed, like people could come and go as they pleased. And so for me, it was like, do you want to go to class? Do you not want to go to class? The, at the end of the day, all you needed to know was the material. You had to test out of the classes that you were taking. And, and so essentially it felt Maybe it's just because when you're spending a year abroad, everything just seems more exciting. I don't know. Maybe I was just a bad student, Charlie. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember the British word for not going to lessons? Um, uh, bunk? Yeah, very good. Was that it? Yeah, yeah. that was it. Ditch or, or, or skip in American English. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm testing Shana that on that because we did an episode on Shana's uh, podcast, the American English podcast. And the, the title will roughly be what? Mm, maybe UK high school versus US high school experience, something like that. And uh, yeah, that, that word came up. So let's go back a little bit. So what years were you in Germany? <sighs> well, so if you don't mind, before we get into this, I've been going back and forth to Germany regularly since I was 16. Wow. Um, well, I first went on a trip to Europe when I was 16. And it was sort of those very quick trips where you go spend three weeks and go to seven countries. But um, I went to Germany then and then uh, went the summer after I got back. We had an exchange student come stay with me and live with my family for um yeah, pretty much the whole year. And she ended up becoming my best friend. And so that's the friend that gave birth yesterday. Uh -huh. And so I've been going back since I was 16 every single summer or she comes over here. It's kind of like a going back and forth, vice versa thing. So uh, yeah, the, uh, my study abroad experience though was in 2009. Yeah, 2009 to 2010. And then I did a master's um, in Potsdam right outside of Berlin in right. 2014 to 2015. Oh, that's so sweet that you've got such a connection with somebody across the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, it's special. I mean, I definitely would say she's my best friend. And then one of my other best friends is also German. So I, I feel very connected to the country and the culture there. And yeah, I would go back in a heartbeat <laughs> if I had the opportunity. And what about you? Uh, made no friends there. None at all. No, no. Made a few friends. But actually, I mean, Stacey's work encouraged us to, to socialize with her colleagues. And she worked for Puma or Puma, uh -huh. uh, the clothing brand, uh, or probably footwear. Yeah, footwear. Mm -hmm. And they they were quite a global community. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we there were a sprinkle of Germans in there, mm -hmm. but it was a, a real mixture of people. I want to go back to your, your friendship. So do you still go over with your children? You go over every year to Germany? <laughs> no, but they, they actually came and stayed at our house in L.A. 
for a month oh. in June. So she was here, you know, living it up in LA. She had she was pregnant. Um, obviously, she just gave birth yesterday, and then she brought her young daughter Fritzy to uh, come and stay with my family. And our daughters are the same age, and so that was really interesting to see. You know, the dynamic of a German speaking child with my child, my, my, my children speak Portuguese and English. And so I was in this awkward situation of deciding, do I speak in German with like this group or do we change to English or what's the language here? It was just a big mess of languages, <laughs> um, but very exciting, I have to say, to still maintain the contact with, I mean, such a such a wonderful wonderful person in her family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Uh, did you notice, it's probably a bit of a stretch, but did you notice any difference in the fact that they were German and your kids are based in America? Any cultural difference at that age? Oh, that's something I, I really hadn't thought of before. No, I mean, maybe <laughs> um, her child dresses more in a more sporty fashion. But ah. I just I just kind of think of um, a lot of my German friends tend to wear really cute athletic clothing. But I mean, I don't know if that's just my friends and their kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I suppose they haven't had as long as an adult to be um, sort of nurtured into their culture. So there's not much, too much of a footprint of their culture in their on their yeah. personality. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting though. And, and when your friend came to stay with you for a whole year, did you notice anything there? You know what? She always pointed out certain things, like her comments on American culture versus German culture and things that Americans would say to her, which she thought was horrifying about, for example, Hitler still being alive. And you'd just be like, oh, God, like, did you what? not have any history classes before? Or someone would say, oh, I have family in Austria. And she'd be like, <laughs> OK, cool. And <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, what, what part? They'd be like, oh, well, what part of Germany is that in? And you go, oh, geez, you did really not say that right now. <laughs> um, so certain things like that, that, you know, really stood out to her as being, you know, ignorant or not having um, knowledge about Germany and where it's located in the history and things like that. But culturally speaking, ah, I mean, I would have to say we're very, very similar. And I'm sorry, it's probably not an an interesting, interesting relationship to talk about just because we are really similar. And maybe it's just Americans in general tend to have a lot of similarities with how Germans are as a people. Ooh. For example, let's yeah, dig into that. Like organization, she's very organized, I'm very organized, she's very punctual, I'm punctual. Um we have a similar work ethic. I mean, we care about things, like we like rules. <laughs> I mean, I know that's a stereotype <laughs> too, and so um yeah, we like things a certain way and I I I don't know. What about you? Do you do you feel like there were any things that stood out when you met the Germans that you met? Um, I can't think of an individual that was necessarily very, very different, mm -hmm. but on the whole, well, cause we had just come from Ohio. So the, the difference there was, was quite obvious in the way that people would meet you for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Stacey's auntie made a comparison of a couple of pieces of fruit. What was it? I think she said, Americans are like peaches mm -hmm. and Germans are like coconuts. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Do you mm-hmm. see what do you see what I'm getting at there? Yeah, the hardness on the outside and the softness in the center versus the softness on the outside and the hardness in the center. Like getting to know yeah. someone sort of the first time we're which I definitely yes, I get where you're going with that and I already agree with that a bit. So, continue, sorry, continue your thought process. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I wanted to leave it to you to interpret. But um, yeah, that was essentially how we felt on the surface. Mm-hmm. I think as as you get to know an individual on a deeper level, cultural references kind of disappear a little bit and, and it's the individual that you get to know. But um, yeah, I, I felt like that at the beginning um, and also being British in America or in Ohio, particularly, everyone was just like, oh, my God, your accent. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then in Germany, they're like, go away and learn some bloody German. Like, <laughs> what, what are you doing wasting our time trying to get a train ticket and you don't know perfect German? But um, on, the, on the flip side of that, I should say that they were very happy to practice English at the same time. So it was a bit of a, um, a coin toss as to who you would get, I think. And, yes. and bear in mind, listeners... I was in um, Bavaria. I was in Nuremberg Mm -hmm. or Nuremberg. Um, So that wasn't probably as international as, for example, Berlin. Were you you in Berlin for your period of university? Yeah. So I probably lived in Berlin for three three years total, I believe. At one point in, if Germans are listening, in Prenzlauer Berg, and then in Potsdam outside of Berlin, um, and then also in the south of Berlin near Tempelhofer Feld, which is their big airport that is now open to the public. So you can ride your bicycle around on the former like landing pads <laughs> and like take off oh. zones and sort of hang out there. So those were my my areas yeah. of Berlin. That's cool. You could do a little ET moment and try and fly <laughs> with your alien on the Oh, back. I would. I mean, man, I, I was on my bicycle. I would go on those landing strips so fast that, you know, I felt like at one point <laughs> I'd take off. <laughs> but at the same time, because the landing strip is so big and goes on for quite a while, I imagine you don't feel like you're going that fast. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You see the people all because there's so many people having picnics. And I mean, that's something that I think of um a lot when i think about germany is just spending time outside in parks and specifically there there were a lot of people with picnic blankets and hanging out and so when you were on your bicycle you were kind of flying by the people so you did feel like you had some sort of uh, momentum i would say uh, yeah well that that points out another one um mm. the public spaces to relax in mm-hmm. do you feel like that is a significant difference in comparison to america Pardon the interruption, but I want to let you know about an activity I have created for you to access for free on the BritishEnglishPodcast.com slash freebies. It is a creativity exercise that helps you find ways to learn English whilst being in a state of flow. Being in a state of flow happens when we're totally immersed in an activity to the point where we pay no attention to distractions and time itself seems to pass by without any notice. I would say I am in my happy place when I'm in a state of flow because it allows my creativity to flourish. And I want to help you connect your learning experience with feeling this immense level of happiness that is entirely possible when studying. 
Who'd have thought it? Revising English can open up feelings of pure ecstasy. Don't worry, though, I'm not forcing drugs on you, but I am encouraging you to check out this new exercise I have created that will help you reach a state of flow, I mean flow, when learning English. Find the link in the show notes to thebritishenglishpodcast.com slash freebies. That is spelt F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. And then click on the creativity exercise and we can all get high on life together. Back to the episode. The public spaces to relax in, do you feel like that is a significant difference in comparison to America? Yes. Well, I think this also depends a lot on the city. There are a lot of American cities that were not planned. And I got to give a lot of respect to city planners of the world because you guys are doing wonderful things just for the aesthetic. Walking outside of my house, I don't feel in L.A. that I am being pleased by what I see around me. Um, There's not (laughs) a, a park on every block. There's like a significant amount of space between where you are in the next park or the next, you know, public a square where you can sit and have an ice cream. And I, I do say that in Berlin, it becomes part of your lifestyle. I mean, if there are parks on every other corner, then you sit down, you relax more, you take in your environment, enjoy more picnic-like food, which I think Germany just like has mastered the little breads, the Brötchen and the um, ice creams and, you know, everything that they have that is somehow able to be transported to a public space. Do you agree with that? I do agree wholeheartedly. Yes. The the ice cream. Oh, I just realized how often we would do that in comparison to even here in Australia. So yeah, most weekends we would grab, the, we, we bought this picnic mm-hmm. bag that had a picnic blanket under it, uh, a couple of champagne flutes, because we're trying to be classy, and then like some cutlery and plates. Mm-hmm. We'd take it on our bikes, because, you know, very good flat bike lanes mm-hmm. all over the city, mm-hmm. um, and felt very safe. Normally I feel quite on edge when I'm on a bike, but in Germany I felt very secure that we were in a in a, a safe space when we were on there, and I didn't have to worry about my partner hitting a pothole or being hit over by a bus. Were you drinking and biking? I'm not going to declare that. No, yeah. uh, Yeah, I think, yes, yes, yes. That was actually a very common thing. Yeah, you'd take your bike to the town hall kind of area Mm -hmm. and then sit on the pebbled street. Mm -hmm. Again, that was a really weird thing for our American friend to come and see. So we we would not use any furniture. Everyone would just choose a place on the ground Mm -hmm. and just sit on the pebbled road and have their beer. Yep. And it was such a nice feeling, such a community. Oh, it was great. And our British friend actually pointed out that this wouldn't happen in England either because we'd just get too excited with the alcohol and we'd start throwing the glasses at each other. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, So where was this when you guys were sitting on the on the cobblestones, did you say? Yeah. So in Nuremberg, it's got like a two by two kilometer um, wall around the, you know, the old grounds of the castle. And then at the top of the hill, you'd go through the, the castle wall. So it almost feel like you're entering, you know, over the moat 
and through the stone wall. And then you'd enter into a really cute little cafe pub or tavern, maybe. And then it's got those pebbled stones um, overlooking another very open cafe that everyone just huddle around and sit down and it would it would be about 300 people by the end of the night just sat in this corner just drinking uh weizen i think wheat beer that's yeah lovely remember that this episode just like every single other episode on this show comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode along with definitions made for you a non-native learner I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, you're evoking a lot of memories here of just, you know, the random spots you find to sit. Because, I mean, in Berlin, it was next to the river or, you know, there was the flea market and you just sit in the middle of <laughs> nowhere, like just on a grassy patch and go maybe even stop at one of the, they call it a Spätkauf. Did you remember Spätkauf? Spätie? That's like a little convenience store on a corner and you can buy like very cheap beer. Um, would you do that nowadays? Can you even do that in Australia? spend time outside with alcohol or are there laws against it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a good question because coming from Ohio, I think it was illegal. Like we, I, I walked around a public park with a beer and then my friend said you could get arrested for that. Yes. I, yeah, yeah, crazy. So I think in Australia, some areas you're not allowed to bring alcohol, mm. but um, not as extreme, I don't think, as... America. Uh, but yeah, we would go to the beach. That's that's the main thing, I think, the difference. Um, there are a lot of beaches around here, so everyone gravitates towards going to the beach in the day and then maybe a meal in the evening. But it's it's so much more of a, a morning and day culture here that the evening, everyone's in bed by nine o'clock pretty much, unless you're out at the bars and clubbing. It's Yeah, it doesn't feel as social in the evening in comparison to what it felt like in Germany, where everyone would come, almost start the evening at bedtime here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> yeah, party gets started at, you know, nine goes till like five in the morning, six in the morning. I mean, the sun used to come up when we would be out and then you'd go by to the bakeries, the best bread ever, <laughs> and get like fresh, um, fresh bread in the morning. That's another another very positive thing about being being in Germany for sure. Absolutely. Bakeries. We don't have that many bakeries in the United States that are you know, I would say small towns might have a bakery, maybe big towns yet yeah, there will be bakeries, but normally they're inside of supermarkets, like part of the supermarket and not necessarily something that's I mean it's not as Maybe I'm just being snobby here. It's not as special here because I just don't feel like our bread is as good. Not to criticize my whole country's bread, but... <laughs> it's definitely not as natural, I don't think, is it? Germany has very natural ingredients and doesn't put too many uh, preservatives in their bread, do they? Actually, it's my roommate. One of them, when I was doing my master's program, she I had two German roommates and one uh, Danish roommate. And she was teaching me the differences between European style flour and American flour. And it's actually true. There's way more protein in 
European flours. And she said that's what helps make good bread. Um, and so I've tried to recreate some of the bread I made while I was living in Germany. And it's just not, it's just not as good here or it's flat. And I'm like, why is your yeast just better? Um, I think the quality of the ingredients are just better that you have access to. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, considering the fact that you would go to and from Germany quite a lot, when you would go back was there a, a go-to thing that you were looking forward to getting? Was it like a, a pretzel or anything <laughs> like when you land? Um, I always had my belegtes Brot with um, salami and then uh, it's just like really good seeded bread, uh-huh. um, like a Meerkornbrot um, and excuse my pronunciation. But yeah, it's just a good little sandwich. I, I can't think of anything else. And then just uh, the little coffee hour in the afternoon, I think is also something very special. You know, having a piece of cake, cafe kuchen around like three o'clock and, and with a nice, nice cappuccino or a nice latte or something. It's something special that we don't necessarily do here. Um, do you guys have that aspect of culture in England? You guys have some sort of sweet treat in the afternoon around three don't you like with tea yeah yeah we would often have something with tea a cup of tea around then i do know what you mean though i think the the cafe culture is really nice how people would go to it at that time in germany and have a really nice calorific slice of cake yeah it's not quite the same in england maybe stereotypically you could you could have a scone with your afternoon tea mm-hmm. or a crumpet a crumpet. But we wouldn't really go out to a cafe necessarily at the same time. Like, yeah, as you were saying, I, I felt like a lot of older p- people would go and do that as an activity in Germany. No, I, I always did it. Yeah. I was I was like, OK, I'm going to take advantage of this while I'm here. I will be, you know, every time I saved up a bit of money, I would always be going to those, you know, afternoon coffee shops. And I would be that annoying person sitting there with my language books and, uh, you know, opening all my pages and get pulling everything out and not leaving for a very long period of time. I mean, I think pretty much um, they'd have to kick me out, although people really wouldn't kick people out like they do in the United States. Here they have a tendency to sort of put your, you know, bill on the table like very shortly after you eat. And there it's kind of like you can kind of take advantage of places and sit down for a long period of time because people are nicer um, and don't kick you out. Yeah, right, right, right. At least that was my experience. So everything feels like a business exchange, are you meaning, in a, in a restaurant or a cafe in America? You know, stereotyping, of course. But in comparison, are you saying that they feel like they, you can be here as long as you like, like in a library almost? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think back to tipping and I'm like, OK, you know, um, American servers are like, ah, you know, I have to get as many tips in as possible. The quicker I get new clients in, the quicker I'll get my next tip. Um, whereas in Germany, I, I don't think they're like, oh, I'm going to get my big tip. And uh, maybe that's part of it playing into the letting us stay longer. Or maybe it's just they just value conversations. And it's just, ah, yeah. And I, I find it funny that um, people always say we have good service, whereas I actually would prefer having someone take longer to giving me the bill because <laughs> I think that's respectful. <laughs> like, 
you know, I want to be the person raising my hand saying, hey, come to my table (laughs) instead of the other way around. We will leave it there for part one of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. The premium podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards, whereas the Academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes explaining the vocabulary, exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments and weekly speaking classes on Zoom. Right, guys, if you want to listen to more of Shana, head over to the American English podcast. You can find it in the podcast app that you're listening to this on or head over to her website, AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Remember to grab the free worksheet of this episode if you haven't already or download the free app. Links are in the show notes or head over to the British English Podcast. Right, until next time, have a delightful week. My name's Charlie and see you next time on the British English Podcast. 